All right, cool. More questions then. More questions. Okay, I'm literally picking up from where we left off before because we had so, so, so many. So this is exciting. Right. Uh, This one's relatively specific, but can be answered generally towards the masses. For a beginner, a 25-year-old male, would your advice to get in shape be to go low calories and lose fat first or higher calories to try and put on muscle? Going to the gym four times a week, doing a combination of cardio and strength in each session. Okay. Where would you So let's kind of create like a bit of a picture of someone because obviously it's going to depend or what kind of end of the scale they are if they are quite a a skinny guy or they're a bit more body fat i think yeah. that will depend on kind of what approach you take if it was someone that was quite skinny um you're probably going to be a case of like okay we can we can push the calories um and get a good sense of base of resistance training and slowly just increment the calories up as we're improving on our strength training because you're going to get almost a body recomp effect over time um, as as you're increasing in your efficiency of strength training and making that progress with with someone that is possibly on the other end that might need to lose a bit of body fat wants to get sort of a bit fitter i would this is where it kind of gets tough because really you want to get as some kind of quick result to have some buy-in to what you're doing because if you're in quite a, a, a bad position mentally with your body composition is that to an extent of the your, the body fat you're carrying or that you're just sort of feeling weak and small which obviously if you're at that sort of top end of the body fat kind of scale it's going to be okay let's get you in a probably like a maybe a short-term fat loss phase drop some body fat with utilizing our strength-based resistance training as much as possible improving on our technique because you're still going to be able to build muscle because you're so new to training so you're going to have a a phase where you're still building some tissue although in a a relative sort of calorie deficit uh, to some extent it's not going to be amazing amounts of muscle tissue but if we can drop you some body fat fairly quickly get you some good results and then transition you into long longer phase of okay we can we've built a good foundation now we got you used to training and handling some Mm. some sort of fairly decent volume in training we can then push that and progress that into a a mass gain phase um, because you're gonna be able to handle it and we can start to push that volume a little bit higher as well so i think that would Gen, that's generally kind of my approach as um but it it does become a little bit more specific on onto onto the, the client in their state but i like that the age old it depends <laughs> yeah like but no one wants to hear it depends and that's it like you can give some kind of reference around that oh absolutely but i picked up he does cardio and resistance based yeah. training in the same session I, again it's, it's going to be um dependent on his situation um i would put as much what i typically recommend and would program for clients is i take cardio away from a session if i can so you've got as much energy reserves and focus to apply to both if your goal is to improve in some cardiovascular element as well as the training, if there's limited capacity to do that, I would put it at the end of your, your training session. So it doesn't impact the resistance based session as well. It's just a, a little bit of extra um, advice there, but it might be doing exactly that anyway. So you got anything to add to that? I like that a lot. 
not really. I think one of the things I thought in hindsight was when I first got a coach was I was very adamant that I wanted to lose weight. And I think I actually would have been better just kind of getting my ducks in a row, getting my nutrition kind of on point first before dropping my calories. So with hindsight, um, I think sometimes you can turn around and be like, Mm, is dieting right for you right now but obviously that's a longer topic and totally individual dependent um but no i'm happy that's that's another a case as well like um depending on where they are in that kind of rule of like whatever yeah. it's called spectrum that's the word that's what spectrum. i was looking for <laughs> where they are on that kind of spectrum like <laughs> often it, it might be good to just go in with, okay, let's, let's get you at a, a settled maintenance. Yeah. And from that, you're probably going to drop a little body fat anyway. And your starting kind of diet numbers might just be your normal maintenance numbers. It's not necessarily going to be a, a major deficit. It's just kind of like, let's start getting some consistency with your diet, consistency with your training and implement that over a couple of weeks you get everything settled to a state of okay we have this consistency body weight's regulated now where do we want to go and you can make those decisions okay got this question thanks tara for this one favorite glute building exercises as yours are a 10 out of 10 which i think <laughs> well, was thank you me, but i think it's actually... me <laughs> <laughs> which could have been aimed at you oh dear um thank you for the compliment we'll both take it luke's got pretty yeah. solid glutes uh favorite exercise oh god do you do much glute work as a guy not not usually i uh, i will do some if I, I find they're sort of a bit weak um so every, like every couple of programs i might put in some direct glute work um the majority of mine has come from lots of squats and deadlifts um sort of early portion of my training and obviously a lot of lower body squats deadlifts lunges yeah. and then some assistance machine work so that's kind of what's built a lot of my kind of glute strength yeah. and sort of the foundations there um and may i would sometimes like include some like kind of like pre-activation work uh, which might be just some light body weight stuff um like going back some time but recently i haven't done a lot of lower body training so i can't say i've done much but i did do the um glute hip thrust machine the other day did I you did, did you did. like it yeah I, I, I do really rate them um more so because it's easier to load up than yeah. a barbell but there is limitations on them because the pins are so short that there's only gonna be so much you can load on there um very good point to be able to progress with and sometimes i find the, the belt a little bit awkward um if you're going sort of heavier, whereas some, it's easier to sometimes just go and go to a bar. But I yeah. did used to do like um, some heavier barbell hip thrusts okay. in my programming, um, primarily to bring up the the glute strength um, and sort of lockout for my deadlift because that was part of like my issue, my sort of weak area. So I took away some of my volume from that put it towards hip thrusts to bring up that strength um i think with with the question in terms of like exercises we've mentioned a couple but i think it's going to be dependent on like girls or guys and how much kind of volume you're wanting to put to like direct glute work whereas i think in this kind of scenario i say like a lot of guys will get the enough volume for their glutes from squats deadlifts like rdls um may need some small assistance work um with like um adduction abduction potentially um but if they're doing anything like any sumo deadlifts 
like the majority of their glute activation like glute volume is going to yeah. come from that stuff whereas uh with a girls program we're probably going to want to put a bit more in um and then i would go with some like hip thrusts i love a hip thrust at one point i had about 24 sets per week towards glutes i'm actually not sure how i managed that it was a little bit ridiculous um but yellow you know it was fun uh i'm a i am a lover of a hip thrust i know some people do argue that they don't get particularly good glute engagement on a hip thrust i do i always have done even when heavier um yeah i will near enough unfailingly leave a sumo deadlift in my program i wouldn't say i directly get much of a pump towards the glutes but i love it so Mm. it's going to stay in for me Um, and any crossover that i get from that just for lower body in general i love i do love a romanian deadlift the one thing I miss yeah. about True Gym actually is I really miss their kickback. I preferred that one to the one I've got at the new gym. Um, I like a frog pump. I'm not ashamed to say yeah. it, but a lot I've I've taken it out of one of the girls' programs this week because she just is like I do not like doing this. <laughs> Don't like it. Don't like. I it quite like quite like a, a frog pump as well, um, where I've got quite tight hip flexors before any sort of lower body work especially if i'm doing like squats or something like that i usually do something that opens up the hips and the hip yeah. flexors um and starts to get a bit of, sort of like pre-engagement for the glutes but something like uh frog pumps also some glute bridges yeah. leg swings things like that at least you're Just not doing banded yeah. crab walks glute luke no yeah the thing that is good with like a hip thrust um is the loading is almost entirely on the glutes compared to like squats deadlifts there's going to be a lot of work then done by the quads the hamstrings and the erectors just in in that position as well as all those exercises are axial loaded so you're just adding more actual loading and pressure through the spine whereas something like a a hip thrust isn't so you can apply the the force and the weight directly through the glutes that we're getting a better contraction um as long as you're getting everything set up properly like a lot of people might find that it's getting tight into like their their quads and they're using them to sort of drive up that's usually sort of the where the position of their their foot is too far back um so they're almost forcing in to try to get that extension of the yeah. of the knee that it starts to feel that sort of tension there um but those are probably like favorite exercises yep and significant periods of time eating not constantly dieting yep. if you don't there eat you don't go. grow nope and also sales hands genetics my bum's yeah. always been big <laughs> <laughs> the shapes change but it's always been sizable and i think sometimes when you got a bit more to work with i think it can help yeah right next question can you explain the whoosh effect um and this client said i know you've explained it to me before but i found it fascinating and think others will too and technically, I do have to point out that it's not really been proven to be an actual thing. Yeah. However, I quite like it as a way to, to help, I guess, potentially get people to stick on course a little bit longer when the scales aren't immediately dropping. And then they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to give it up. Um, so so the, the theory is that our body doesn't want to give up fat cells this is what's marketed by like slimming world and stuff like that our body doesn't want to give up our fat cells so essentially when you start to lose body fat the cells then fill with water which is why the scales don't change and then the reason you see a big drop in weight is because that water then eventually gets pushed out yeah however it's not really true. 
<laughs> it's one of those things that gets peddled and I believed it for years and I never looked into it and I was like oh cool that must be why I've seen a weight drop and it is a little bit upsetting when you learn that it's not really true makes me feel quite sad um would you know where it came from other than Slimming World um no not really like it, it might be one of those things like I I need to do sort of research into it behind it as well like to I say it's not something I've specifically looked at yeah um but we do see periods with clients that it's almost like it it matches like the theory matches sometimes what you're seeing um yeah and so you're seeing like it's holding on holding and holding on and then suddenly you might have a good little drop and yeah. then you, you create this kind of theoretical model behind it which kind of explains it and sometimes it's like no nice that that explains that but yeah. whether that is actually what's happening or not um i, I did I, look it up and it's not apparently yeah. which was quite upsetting um i guess the thing to note here is that we by the time we reach adulthood we already have the number of fat cells that we're going to have for the rest of our lives and we don't lose fat cells you kind of want to think of your fat cell like a balloon in that when you are in a position where you're potentially in a calorie surplus your body will store excess energy and the balloon will inflate yep. going through a period of fat loss putting yourself in a calorie deficit the balloon deflates but it doesn't physically go anywhere which i think is where there's like a bit of a a bit of a failing on the effects part but it holds quite true in that we often see people's weight will cling on and then they'll have a drop and especially with women this can be around like different phases of their menstrual cycle some women are you know typically see their lightest weights the week before their period is due and therefore it, you can almost then make like you say you can make the theory fit what we yeah. see happen um but yeah, it's not really a thing, which is sad. Okay, should we move on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a question. Why do females lose strength when they are on their period? <laughs> the answer technically <laughs> they don't, not necessarily. Yeah. It's a really hard one, the, the menstrual cycle oh god it's a minefield partly because the age-old answer every single woman is different whether you are on the contraceptive pill the implant you have the coil fitted you've always just been lucky and your periods are like nothing it, it, there's so much variability so yeah I actually don't, not in, not on the whole. Um, you seem to be quite a strong kind of through. Yeah, I certainly because I post about it all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm on my period. Help me! Do you know what? The last month, I think creatine's taking an effect. <laughs> it's been mental. So, basically, one of the things that we will often see is, in part. If you're suffering with a lot of cramping, headaches, um, you know, even if you you just feel discomfort because you're quite bloated, that's potentially going to have a negative effect before you've even got in the gym. So, you know, there can be a bit of a, a correlation between, oh, well, I'm on my period and I'm weaker. But it's actually because everything in you is really going I just want to be at home with a bag of Cadbury's buttons the orange flavor um and a hot water bottle but on a on a hormonal level in the second half of your cycle so weeks like two through to four um we get a rise in progesterone so our body temperature is higher um and because basically our body is just honestly this freaks me out preparing for a potential pregnancy which honestly that thought I'm like oh this is mental <laughs> um so because there's so much going on inside of you that you literally cannot see 
we get so bogged down by literally, oh, I'm bleeding. This is horrific. But our body's working 24 seven on these processes. So it's not surprising that your body's like, ah, make way for a baby. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit crap. Um, whereas sometimes when your periods arrived, especially towards the latter end, like if cramping's not too bad, pains aren't too bad, you feel like Wonder Woman. Absolute yeah. queen machine. Um, but yeah. I mean, I... Talk to us about your period, Luke. Mine, my, my, they don't go too well, to be honest. <laughs> I just curl up in bed. <laughs> I thought that was what was wrong with you last week, wasn't it? You weren't actually yeah. here, you were on your period. Okay. <laughs> I see, I see. I think with a lot of people, sort of talking very generally now, and I try not to get a lot of hate from this, but... It, it can be down to that kind of psychological effect of it. And it's one thing that triggers another. And that's where we often find that it's almost kind of a, a downward spiral because you start to have like cravings, then you eat more and typically like higher sugar things seem to sort of get a bit of a crash. And then you start to feel more tired. Your sleep might be disrupted because of all of these things trickling on that then when you're going to do your training session it's not a direct effect of your period but it's an effect of the things that that has affected yeah is the reason that why you might then feel more tired um and lacking sort of strength and it might just be that kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that you think that you're going to be weaker so you are as well because yeah. there's, there's times if I'm not feeling in just a good place just to train, like I will then feel weaker in training when there's no actual reason to. Yeah. And sometimes you just get harder sessions than than others, just by how you're feeling on, on that day. Absolutely. And it might just be, and also, might be that yeah. the correlation isn't the causation. Yeah. And also it depends where you are in your training cycle. So there's so much that goes on anyway. I think you've got to, I think it's wise to track and to maybe, you know, within like your training program, make notes on, you know, if there was a particular reason that you feel like your session suffered. Um, but the more you go into it going, oh, well, this is going to be horrific because, you know, or, or I'm due on and, or you, t it's the same with cravings and stuff. Oh, well, I'm due on in two days. So I've d I'm definitely craving chocolate. It's not that yeah. you, you actually just wanted chocolate, but you then legitimize it as, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a period craving. So the, the normal size bar isn't going to do me. I'm just going to have to double this up. Um, I think you're right. There's a lot of self-fulfilling prophecy, which leads us very nicely on to the next question, which is how should you adapt your training when on your period? My answer, you probably don't need to. No, unless you've got like extreme reactions on your period, like extreme like stomach cramps or things like that, yeah. that you could go down the route of trying to periodize your training on a, a time where it kind of syncs with your cycle. Yeah. So that you might have your deload, a deload week every time that you are due on and it kind of sinks in with that so that you're not needing to push as hard at the gym training when you're on and but generally you probably don't need to because if you're anything like me it changes every single month and you have absolutely no idea what's going <laughs> you don't know gonna walk into the gym and leave feeling like beyonce which was me last month or you're going to be a mental nutcase who is not fit to be around anyone, which is <laughs> before. Not a clue. Not a clue. Okay. Um, this the next question. I'm gonna switch question order. Uh, this person felt the need to put disclaimer, I'm not pregnant. This I'm sure this is one of my clients, but I can't remember which one. <laughs> and I wish I could remember. Um, but interested to hear your thoughts on adapting pr training programs during pregnancy. 
brackets, not sure if you are the chap you're podcasting with are qualified in this, <laughs> which I really enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, the chap. The chap. My loop. Um, Partly because, who was it? I, was, I think I was talking to my best friend the other day and she can never call you Luke. What was it she tries to call you? Like every single, it's something like Adam. <laughs> She's like, how's Adam? And I'm like, who is Adam? I haven't got a clue, but it's always when she's talking about you. Sorry, Ellie. Um, uh, so I I don't know about you. I don't hold a pre or postnatal qualification. No, I don't. Um, but we are, I, I mean, think... you are still as a personal trainer qualified to yeah, I think train pregnant it's, women. It's, it's, it was... it's, a lot of it is you've got to get their GP sign off. And a lot of it is like training on your period. It's it's learning what the specific client can or cannot do yeah Um, and for me I wouldn't be comfortable enough to go down that route I would always just refer out to someone that does that almost like solely as their their profession and for a large I know like for a large part you don't need to change you're training to a, a large degree, um, but adapting some of the intensity of the training and some movements are not advisable. Um, yeah. But that's generally for, uh, no, I, I kind of see it like you make the decision to, well, <laughs> normally you'd make the decision to get pregnant and go down that route. You might not, but um, those are things you've, there's going to be trade-offs and I would just consult with someone that does, yeah, like specializes in that area. Um, same with nutrition side of things, consult with someone that specializes in that area and just, you're going to probably adapt your training for, like that year or so because it's not even to the extent of just that pregnancy it's going to be for the time after that the recovery phase and the the first kind of year or so of the child's life is going to be very different for you from how you're training now from a stress management time just general fatigue because you're going to be getting up in the middle of night like plenty of times just to just to feed and everything's going to be very different so i would invest the money to work with someone that specializes in that and that's why i would always just just refer people out so i've had quite a lot of i've had quite a few women actually who have had maybe babies like six months before and and come and train with me like once they've yeah. had sign off and stuff um I haven't technically yet had a pregnant client. Um, although you that they know, know of. <laughs> well, no, technically, um, I had one who is now pregnant, but we called time, she called time early on just because first trimester hit and energy wise, sickness wise, etc. She was like, I'm literally not doing anything. And again, what I've learned in recent months is very much from a nutritional perspective, probably your first trimester is going to be whatever you can eat. So, you know, if you're, if you were dieting, you might want to come up to maintenance. It might not actually matter because if you're that nauseous, all you can eat is toast. You're not going to be hitting an absolute shed load of calories. You're probably not training. You are probably, you know, potentially you're not even going to be going and getting any steps in because you'll just be trying to sleep and get through like work and everything else you need to. Um, she may come back to me after first trimester and, and, you know, see how she gets on there. I, I did listen in on a, like a live on supporting like pregnant clients. Yeah. And there is a lot of, there are qualified people out there who specialize in working with um, pregnant women but I've also known women in the gym who've trained throughout their pregnancy and yeah it's a bit luck of the draw you know some women sail through their pregnancy there was a woman that used to work at the gym where I went to she was still deadlifting at eight months pregnant looking incredible 
and there are some women that end up with back pain, leg pain, hip pain, and can't. So um, in terms of an adaptation, you're obviously not going to have things. You're not going to be doing a load of ab work. um, No. A lot of stuff where you're getting up, getting down on the floor. Some women might be able to squat particularly well. Some might not. It's all about working to what specifically the individual is capable of. As a general rule, you're not going to be pushing any pbs like never you wouldn't you wouldn't try and increase your volume through that to what you've done previously previous to the pregnancy um it's always going to be less and i I think it's probably just a case of trying to replicate movements and just keep moving and keep the baby safe um i have i've done some like little bits where it's come up in like courses and like through the nutrition stuff Mm -hmm. But I always struggle to really remember it um, yeah, just because it doesn't really, yeah. I think with coaching as well, it's like you have to have a big interest in yeah. in that and you you retain more of the information you're interested in. Whereas I, I don't Not really work really with pregnant ladies. So right now, no. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I've got a lot of women in like the 25 to 35 age category and i am just waiting for a barrage of babies at some point which is going to be great because i tell all of them i'm like bring the baby to the gym i will do the cuddles i will tell you what to do i will pay more attention to your child (laughs) a bit like rachel when she brought in her dog this week couldn't tell you what she trained okay moving on from as a pregnancy bit uh, this actually came from Emma Story Gordon, which I just felt very flattered that she even responded oh. to my question. I know. Hi, Emma, Happy if you're listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the question was, what was the last thing that you laughed at? Which I really liked. <laughs> Probably half of the stuff in this podcast, to be honest. But what was the thing that really made you laugh last? Can you remember? I can't remember specifically, although I know it's just going to be of something of like just bullying Sarah. I, oh, just just winding her up, just bullying her about something and oh. then just going getting into fits of laughter about it. All those women out there that have got you on their crush list are going to be like, right, horrible boyfriend, take you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do it to each other. It's like, like okay. banter with it. So. How as long as she gets you back? I don't oh, know what the last yeah. thing I really laughed at was. I probably laughed a lot the other night because I drank a bottle and a half of wine. I was having a great time. <laughs> but none of the content of that is probably fit for podcast. So, um, yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> when this one, this has been a head F up for many. When you blend fruit and veg, i.e. a smoothie, does it only count as one portion? Yes. <laughs> I actually think somewhere else down here, somebody else has said, why does it only count as one portion? Oh, no, it, that was why when you blend fruit and veg. Um, you researched this the other day, didn't you? I did. I had to Google it again because I've told so many people. And then I was like, just because it is. Um, it's because the, the, the fruit and veg is broken down and the sugars are released. So therefore your body doesn't have to do any work to physically break it down. Um, so it's a no, like just no, just don't Almost have smoothies unless you need low volume stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm team don't drink your calories unless it's alcohol anyway. Um, I think unless I, unless I've got somebody on a lot of calories who's struggling to fit them in, I would say just don't bother with a smoothie really. Yeah. because you're gonna I mean, you're gonna get more satiety more satisfaction from actually eating the whole fruits and vegetables anyway aren't you yeah sometimes like a frozen banana and uh blended in with a protein shake is is banging but i'm not a big fan of like smoothies because it's typically the people that don't need it as well that are the ones that are going for it in in the thought that it is healthy um but not understanding the fact that it's it's packed with a lot of sugar and doesn't really count to that hands doesn't count (laughs) 
I love ruining people's lives with that one. Yeah. Um, because I'm horrible. But you're also losing out of the digestion effects of actually like chewing the food as well. Um, which yeah, surely there's no thermic effect of food if it's a smoothie or minimal. Very minimal. Um, there would be some, I believe, from like just the process of digestion, okay. but not a lot um but yeah like there wouldn't be like the salivatory response from chewing and understand like that kind of stuff um which is all part and parcel of like the digestion process yeah okay okay oh moving on to, to some training ones now um what should your rest time be between sets <laughs> as long as it needs to be but as short as it can be Ooh. in like in Ooh. like a, a boom yeah because yeah. what we're what we're trying to do when we're resting is like allow ourselves to recover to perform the next set as efficiently and effectively as possible so if our next set is going to be a like triples on deadlifts you're probably going to need a little bit longer from the last set to be able to hit that next set effectively again to your target outcome result of working heavy and working through strength. If the aim of the, the set is to build up a lot of um, blood accumulation in the muscle, uh, build on sort of lactic acid and things like that, then we're going to keep it quite short because that is part of the aim for that. And it doesn't really matter where our reps are falling um, because we're probably going to have like a larger range. It might be like 15 to 30 or something in a range. So as long as we're working within that to what we're trying to progress, as a sort of general rule, I'd say to people, it's going to be like one or two minutes, um, but it doesn't need to be timed. Just go off how you're feeling, but yeah. how you're feeling isn't a couple of scrolls on Instagram. It's like, as you make <laughs> taking note of actually how long it's been, can I perform this next set effectively? Yes, no. And also ask you like the, the harder question of, Am I just delaying it because I don't want to do it? Me always related. <laughs> yes, I like that. I have nothing to add. It, okay, next question: Is just warming up on the cross trainer or treadmill enough before weight training? So no, with the, no, not not really. Like not really. with a warm up, no. the the cross trainer kind of portion of like an effective warm up is just going to be raising the the body temperature and increasing blood flow so that is one portion of it the the second base kind of portion of an effective warm up is going to be um, specifically movement related so pre preparing yourself for the movements that are going to come so if we're doing lower body we want to make sure that our, our joints are like lubricated and effective. Like we're working through the range of motion that we're going to be working in, in our session. And for like the next exercise, like the range of motion loading pattern and technique execution, because sometimes it takes a good couple of reps just to find that kind of groove of the, the, the movement that we're going to do. Something that I, tend to put into my warm-ups as well is any any restrictive work that i need to do for example like if if um i'm doing some lower body stuff my hips are quite tight so i'll do some um like hip flexion hip extension work just to kind of open them a little bit some like leg swings just to create some sort of dynamic movement into my um warm-up so i'm then prepared to go into the squats um but no like yeah. that the, the cross trainer cv kind of part of warm-up is just to elevate your heart rate increase blood flow and you might have walked to the gym and done that already 
or you might go into yeah. doing like a, a barbell complex or something where that's going to elevate your heart rate anyway in addition to getting some of that dynamic movement and movement preparation in place as well yeah agree basically you're never going to be able to walk up to a deadlift platform if you know you can lift 100 kilos and start lifting 100 kilos the most important bit is going to be the progressive warm-up of weights going on the bar working through that movement pattern um and also it's all well and good your your knee might be fine on a cross trainer you go to squat and it gives way so yeah Yeah. take your time people Okay, okay. <laughs> next question. Is it true that if you're sore from weight training, if you keep moving, it makes it better? Yeah. To a degree, um, linked to, link to the warm-up, um, if what we're doing when we're moving is increasing blood flow. As we're increasing blood flow, that's going to help the, the muscles recovery by providing uh, nutrients and oxygen to that the working muscle. So... It, it depends what that what that movement is. If you're sore and then going to do a PB deadlift, probably won't help you recover. Um, but like general light activity will. Um, so you might have like active recovery days where you're going for long walks with like swimming or just light Basically, cycling, something like that. Soreness doesn't stop you from getting in your steps, people. So <laughs> it's not an acceptable excuse. It's not. It's not good. Okay. Your favorite go-to snack? Ooh. See, snacks. These are time dependent. Is are we talking like an evening snack? Wow. Uh, mid-morning um, snack. Wow. You <laughs> snacks and uh I'm just jealous of that. Let's go. Give me an evening snack. Now, I, I like a good like bowl of ice cream with something oh in. Oh my god! If like, anyone's on a diet, please turn off. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I think, but I typically I don't snack. I have like larger and smaller meals. Yeah. So, uh, if I was to have like a a smaller meal that might be a snack, it will be like a protein bar or like a protein shake with a I piece of fruit. Smaller <laughs> meal that might be a snack. <laughs> Uh, but i try not to i try not to generally snack on like bits and pieces one because i know that if i have a little bit i'm no matter how like hungry or not i am i'll just want more of it um so i will typically eat more frequent meals and because i'm on like 200 grams of protein a day i'll split that between like four or five meals so that frequency is high enough for me to not really need a snack because i've got a meal coming up soon anyway um but they might might be like a smaller meal like a a protein bar um an apple and i don't know like something like that you're so okay snacks um (laughs) i do you know what when i was when i was dieting a lot I did similar in that I moved to four smaller meals because it it would stop me from going absolutely haywire. I will try and make snacks fruit-based or things like protein shake, protein bar, depending on kind of the overall um, goals. I've recently found myself getting into the Rice Krispie Square thins. They Mm. were on offer. And there's no major difference between the normal ones and the thin ones, but they did like birthday cake flavored ones and they had like little mini Smarties on top. Yeah, I had some of them. And between train, like, or between training and meal times, or like if I was training, then going for a walk, then coming back for my next meal. Um, I do like a fiber one brownie just because I'm quite a chocolate. Meat and chocolate is good with me. Um, but failing that, it's a, it's a genuine biscuit or some genuine chocolate. Yeah, I do quite like um, Greys do little like oat bite things. There's got some like chocolate and vanilla ones, they're quite good, or actually, all of them are very good. Everything we like, everything we're not afraid of food on this game. There there is nothing I don't like, so I can look, I can look and be like, Yeah, that'll do. (laughs) (laughs) I must admit, I'm not fussy at all. 
which does help slash also hinder life. Yeah. Do love a packet of crisps as well. But I think if we're going to go with like a a more fitness oh, answer, <laughs> health fitness answer, um, like chopped raw carrots, cucumbers, like hummus oh, dips. That's not your. Yeah, thing. that kind of stuff. Right, remember, I, I do actually quite like it. Yeah, so do I. But it's not my more favorite. like if if I'm dieting, it's one of my favorites because you get like. Or in like the summer because it's like cool and it's like yes, refreshing. Watermelon. I oh, love yeah. watermelon. Yeah. Okay. Did we turn that around to make it relatively fitness? <laughs> we tried. We tried. Uh, Okie dokie. Oh, two questions and then we're done. Should I measure Ooh. and know my BMI? No. I, I don't think it's worth it. You're You're better off tracking other metrics other data um bmi doesn't really give you anything especially if you're someone that is resistance training because that's going to skew it anyway like i'm like class as morbidly obese or something are you i'm overweight i'm yeah i'm borderline like borderline obese i like it i like it i'm actually gonna do i'm gonna work mine out now hang on i've got my little (laughs) spreadsheet I'm guesstimating my weight because I haven't actually weighed myself. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. 25.9. Hello. Yep. Overweight. Thank you. Yeah. I don't think it, it doesn't give you any what actual do you do data to, to... Nothing. No. Do you remember in places like BHS where they used to have those scales that you could put a pound into and it told you your height, your weight, your BMI and what your weight range should be? Yeah. Did you ever stand on those? My like healthy weight range was something like nine stone four to ten stone four. And I'm like, oh, oh wow, <laughs> I've seen ten stone once in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Upsetting, but there you go. Yeah. Okay, last question. Oh, no, there's two. Sorry, no, no, there's two. Um, hip thrusts on a laying leg curl. Thoughts? I, no. I... I've done it on a leg extension. So, you know, like when you, you wiggle your shoulder blades oh, under yeah. the side of a leg extension. I've done yes, that, similar. but this was back in the days when I didn't really hip thrust. On a laying leg curl, I've never... I... Yeah, same, same principle. Like, some of them do have, like, the larger pads, um, okay. not, like, the, yeah. the two separate ones. Like I was going the two separate so, Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't get in that one. <laughs> um, I mean, in a pinch, you could, but... No point. Uh, no, um, like how the the machine is angled as well as to kind of rotate round, so it would be a bit of a awkward yeah. loading pass, and it's not going directly down against the hips. So I'd, I don't think it's really the best movement. Um, and someone's probably going to want to get on there to train their hamstrings, so. <laughs> And they're just, not going to appreciate that. No, like just get a bar and yeah, do some barbell hip thrusts. Stop bicep curling and squat rack, people. It's not appropriate. You also shouldn't lunge on a deadlift platform. If I ever have a gym, there will be strict guidelines. <laughs> I've seen personal trainers getting their clients to do like alternating lunges with no barbell on a deadlift platform. I think it's just because they like being on the platform. Yeah. And they're like, look at me. It's like Thankfully, me. I'm, on, I'm on a stage. <laughs> do you know what? That's what this guy thinks. Yeah. Anyway, I could do a whole podcast episode on him. Um, right. Last, <laughs> last question. What's this new thing? Everyone's on the stepper. And this is Ellie. And she said, I do not have the coordination for that. She doesn't. She would probably fall off. But I feel like the steppers had another revival. So a couple of years ago, we had all the girls doing the kickbacks. On their, their interval training on a stepper, everything. I don't like yeah. the stair ones because you're walking to nowhere. I prefer the pedal one, you know, where you just go like up and down. I don't know why that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Back on the stepper hype. I don't know what it's about. So there isn't much to it apart from the fact like that people will follow people people are sheep so when they see their favorite person doing it they (laughs) like that and they think they need to do it and 
the thing about the stepper is that it's hard yeah like it doesn't have any kind of perpetual motor momentum like a bike or um like a treadmill that carries on going and your momentum kind of carries you you have to press each time but the thing that then is a potential issue is that it's taking more effort for you to do so it's harder and more direct muscular contraction each time you're stepping so it becomes more of like a high high intensity resistance session which is then going to have a carryover effect to your your normal resistance based sessions so that can then be detrimental as long as that's not the case then you're right you can do whatever you enjoy um it doesn't really matter like the step is just hard (laughs) and but it it is and people are kind of sadistic in the, the sense that they think if something's harder it's better so you'll get these people that find the stepper really hard because it's like a constant pressing sort of motion it's like being on a bike with the the, the dial like cranked right up and you just got to push each time it will set your quads on fire yeah and when people feel that that burn and that like build up of lactic acid and just a high intensity sort of strenuous activity they're like yes it's working because it's hard but like generally like the aim of cardio is either going to be one increasing your cardiovascular capacity or two just kind of burning calories to increase your deficit to lose body fat and if you can do something like long walks um that are going to be more kind of mindful um still burn calories and not be detrimental to your resistance-based sessions, then that's going to be better in generally. Um, but if you, if you do like it, crack on. But most gyms only have like one or two anyway. So I know. Wise words from our Luke there. If you like it, crack on. There you go. <laughs> Rule for life. <laughs> Rule of life. I like that a lot. Yeah, you won't find me on a stepper sometimes. Okay, that's it. Is that the last question? Yeah, that's it. Ah. I enjoyed those. Cool. Right, we'll have to get some more questions for the next episode. Yeah. Speak to you all soon. Bye. Bye.